What episode are we on? Shouldn't you say the, the whole thing, like the yeah. chow chow thing? I, I'm gonna. <laughs> I want this to be the real beginning of the show. You don't understand. Oh, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> but here, let me, let me try to find out what episode we're on. Chalo chow chow. What do you want? In a podcast to you. Gotta talk about Giallo movies just for you. The only thing I'd like, I'd really like, is to meet you face to face. It'll happen sooner or later, but you'll have to recognize us. Thanks. However you disappoint me, duck. You throw a challenge my way. I almost forgot the most important part. We go by Creep Creeperson and Chris. And this is Chow Chow Chow. Got it. The harbor. A phone booth sitting right near Pier 11. I'll get out the APB. Move, you bastard. Chow Chow, everybody, and welcome to Jalo Chow Chow, episode 64, the the Jalo Superstore. I am Engelbert Humperdink, and this <laughs> is um, Hillary Rodham Clinton. After the lovin'. Boom. That's, that's the Engelbert Humperdink song I know. Oh, I thought you were singing a Hillary Clinton song. So I sing you to sleep Ew. after the loving. What the fuck is up, everybody? What's going, What's going on? on? Jesus Christ. It's been forever. It's been for fucking ever. I just I'm, looked at the um, Facebook page and it said that we were going to record Francesca on October 10th or November 10th. <laughs> for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We fucking screwed that pooch. <laughs> well, listen, everybody. You know, it's worth waiting for. We have some really loyal followers out there. Um, Things have been crazy on all of our accounts, I believe. I would definitely have to concur and agree. Yeah. So I'm just trying to get my life back to um, swim in order so, yes. I could, so I could compete in the... The Fatal Games. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about anymore. I was going to say, what's the Fatal Games? That doesn't sound right. Yeah, I was trying to make an 80s slasher reference and then got confused. So, um, I have I have a question, though. Um, have you been keeping up with any of the other Chow Chows? Um, no, and that's funny that you should ask that because I ran through the list to try to just look and see... What's been going on? Because I really haven't even been online a whole lot lately. And um, what's going on with the other Chow Chows is this. Um, There wasn't a huge... um, What's the word I'm looking for here? Interest? Watch it. 
<laughs> careful there, buddy. Um, no, it just seemed like there were, for the amount of work to put in to do everything I wanted to do, there wasn't a lot of people who were listening. And, yeah, and, um, and when I say there wasn't a lot of interest, I'm not trying to say that the show was bad, <laughs> but you have to say that it is a very, a, a very specific uh, niche. Is that the right word I'm yeah. looking for? And it was um, getting smaller and smaller, the different markets. Right. And yeah, I thought... Drilled um, down to a sub of um, space alien cannibal zombie films. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, like, I assume that because I like Jalo and I like these, that everyone would like them. And um, it's not the case there. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So that was uh, my fault for not doing enough research beforehand. Um, the Patreon page is still up. I moved everything down to a dollar is like the only amount on there now. Um, and that's just to help out with hosting and what other kind of crap we have to do. Um, like if we would have had a ton of followers, we could have um, not had to pay for the Francesca rentals. Right. Yeah, but but we did. We did have to do that, which is fine. But I'm just saying that's something else that things like that could go to. But, um, so other than that, um, nothing, sir. I'm just trying to get through this year. Yeah, I hear you. 2016 is almost in the record books and that record book needs to be burned ceremoniously because it sucked it's it been is, rough it has not been a good year uh for for me uh from a political standpoint from a personal standpoint uh, i'm ready to move on i'm ready for 2017 like there's no tomorrow yeah but um i am very much motivated uh I don't know about you, but I am very much motivated to kind of make a fresh start with this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I think that the Jallos seem to be the ones that people are most interested in. Yeah. So um, we could, uh, we'll, we'll, I think we should try our best to, you know, I, I, I think, and, you know, this is unfortunately for everyone listening to the podcast, they're going to hear, hear us brainstorm and basically have like a, uh, a status meeting because this uh, is well, the first time I've talked to Chris since the last episode. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking that you know I would like to do this monthly, at least monthly. I know we were doing it every two weeks for a while, and yeah. that was fun. Um, depending on schedules, I would like to wrap up the 2016 year with Francesca. Let's have a nice discussion about it, as nice as we possibly can have one about it. And then we'll start fresh on 2017 uh, with renewed vigor and enthusiasm. Yeah. I don't know you. And, but, well, um, one thing for me, too, is that um, I feel like for me um, and my picks for what movies to do, I started to kind of um, go away from movies that I wanted to do. Because okay. I was afraid that I would run out of movies and not want to do the show anymore or something like that. <laughs> and it turns out, 
that there are still a ton of movies out there that I want to do, and it would probably take us a couple years to get through them all. So um, I'm not going to be um, using that as a crutch of fear to not do the shows that I want to do and the movies I want to do. So um, all of the fun, tasty 70s trash movies um, are going to come back in a big way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Absolutely. But I, yeah, I got scared for a little bit there. Yeah. Um, it's so funny because I think it came from one comment. Somebody said months and months and months ago, what are you guys going to do when you run out of Jalo films? <laughs> right. And I started panicking. I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Um, but I, I don't think that's really an issue. So. Well, I think we, we talked about it before, and I think that, you know, if we were to say, you know, after this episode, I think that, you know, it's it's time that we get back to some of what we, we would consider to be more the classic jolly. We could certainly reference um, the, the various uh, anthologies that have been published uh, for references if we need them, um, if we run out of ideas. But, you know, I think that there's plenty more... I mean, let's say this way. Let's we could we could say that our goal is to get to episode 100. We're at 64 right now. Um, I think that that's definitely doable because um, if you take the proto jolly that we haven't covered yet, yeah. and you take the neo jolly, and not even neo jolly, but the the Americanized um, jolly or the Americanized slasher and um, you know, post slasher Brian De Palma type films that were influenced by Jolly, and use those as a way to kind of break up the monotony of these movies from the seventies. I think that there's plenty of content. And to, all the uh, crap Argento did in the nineties. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> we Argento, <already> did that. <laughs> Argento, I think we've almost covered everything. I mean, we haven't covered phenomena. Um. And we haven't covered Stendhal Syndrome, but I don't really consider that to be a Jallo. We haven't done Jallo. We haven't done Jallo. We, we haven't, haven't done, done. Do you like Hitchcock? And Sleepless and, and the Card Sleepless Player. Sleepless and the Card Player. Sleepless and from Dracula. Dracula three D and Phantom of the Opera. Don't forget about that one. Oh yeah. Uh, um. I think that out of all of those, I think Sleepless is probably the best one because I remember watching it once and I was like, this is a pretty good Jolly. I would like to – Jollo, I would like to watch it again. And I haven't. I haven't seen it in ages. I know the card player was awful. And I'm the only person in the world that likes Jollo. So. Well, I, I haven't watched it at all. I yeah. watched the first five minutes and fell asleep. But that wasn't because the movie was bad. It was just because – I had a newborn. So. Well, it's not only that, but the only time you watch movies is like five minutes before you go to bed. Exactly. Or it's on stupid. the train. Or on the train. Well, and last night I did give it the good college try of sitting down and watching Francesca. Um, is it Francesca or Francesca? No, it's Francesca. Okay. Um, I'm just going to call it Franny. Watch- I watched Francesca last night. Um, I watched it with attention. Um, I think the last 10 minutes I started to fade, um, but I did see the ending, and the ending is 
clearly something to talk about. Well, um, another thing, too, before we get too far ahead, I was going through the Facebook page, and I noticed someone posted this thing about um, a, a, a novelization of Case of the Bloody Iris that's um, available on Amazon. Really? Yeah. Okay. And um, I think there's more than just that one. But um, I am going to get it because that is exciting to me because I love that movie anyway. So um, I'm interested. It has, um, I think, like two one-star reviews or something. So I'd, Yeah, I'd be interested to see um, what the novelization might be like. And if it was authorized. Boom. There if it is. was authorized. <laughs> right, okay. Like, Ernesto Gastaldi and his crew is really going to give a shit if somebody makes an English novelization. Of I think it's film. actually um, British. Was it? The uh, novelization? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'll look into that more. But um, And I just want to... Uh, all the people who had been like helping out with um, the Chow Chow Roundtable, um, that has been super fun, and I would love to do more of those as well. But um, the days that I was normally able to do those, I cannot do those now. <clears throat> so um, maybe we'll find another day to do those. So. Um, but yeah, so other than that, I think that's all the updates. Well, my schedule may be freeing up a little bit, so I might be able to help out with the uh, roundtable oh, stuff. Oh, that would be sick. That'd be awesome. Oh. Now, I did get, I don't know if this was posted on our page, but I did get an awesome hard on. awesome news, uh-huh. an awesome hard-on. Well, I did get a hard-on. Um, somebody posted on one of the Jalo, I think it was Jalo Fever. So... Jalo fever. I'm trying to remember. There's there's a Facebook page called Jalo fever. Um, there's two of them. One of them is called Jalo fever Italian horror thriller crime B, crime B movies. The other one is just called Jalo fever. One of them is related to the film festival that um, happens in New York City that happened twice so far. Oh, okay. um, but I don't know what the other one is now. What they posted is that for the very first time in 2017, we will be getting an HD transfer of Amok with our beautiful what? Bridget or whatever the fuck her name was. What's it's not Bridget. No, you what went the, way too far Bar- on that one. Barbara Boucher. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and I'm seeing the screen grabs. It is all scoped out and delicious looking and i am so excited to buy this see here's Uh, the thing we were just talking about this i mean not just but like i don't know if i want that movie fixed oh i do i like that movie fucked up the version that i saw was um a four to three ratio and it wasn't even pan and skin it was just cropped yeah and i think there was a lot of visual information that you know was left out and i'd really like to see it plus i think that just for that lesbian scene by itself, you're such if they a pervert. Were, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> like that lesbian scene, there's more to the frame than we've seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a long, wide angle shot of the two of them on the bed, and I think half of it's cut off. So 
I would buy it just for that. And it, Barbara Boucher. Um, now you are talking I, I, about a muck and not the bloodsucker leads the dance, right? Oh, oh yes. I, okay, just I'm making definitely sure. not talking about the bloodsucker leads the dance. Um, I, I swear I've seen a lot of Boucher, Barbara Boucher, Gialli, and this is the one that I think she looks the most stunning in. Oh, she's gorgeous in it. Yeah. I could just watch it just for that, you know? Yeah. So it's being released um, by Camera Obscura. It's also being released by 88 Films. Let's see. Hang on. 88 films in the UK. Camera Obscura is the German version, and Le Chat Qui Fume in France. Um, that means so the bagel. It does. It means the bagel that had an AOL account. Yeah. Le Chat Qui Fume. Actually, I don't. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, it's the bourbon, everybody. Welcome to the welcome to the show. Well, I'm drinking a. Peppermint mocha with almond milk because mm. I'm apparently a 18 year old woman now, but um, I'm trying to take little steps to better myself, and this tastes like to, shit. I have to say that almond milk just sucks. Mm-hmm. It really sucks. It's just oh, water. It's so awful. I should have just got a fucking americano with peppermint in it. This is just I, shit. I swear. I switched to soy milk for a while, and I really got used to it and liked it. Um, but rice milk and almond milk, nah. I just stopped drinking milk altogether, and then yeah, yeah, me too. I was like Every going, you know, while, what? I'll I, have a bowl of cereal, and it's like, well, what am I going to put on orange juice? You know, yeah. So. No, but yeah, this like <laughs> I think I'm going back to just like not doing any kind of milk because this is definitely not the answer. Well, you got to drink your coffee like, um, what's his name? Um, and that's what we, we need to talk about that too. You need to drink your coffee like, uh, uh, Agent Cooper. Oh, hell yeah, I do. You know? Black. Yeah, that's how I normally. Black as I, midnight on a moonless night. <clears throat> I have my, um, uh, Cafe Verona, my right. Komodo Dragon, and my, um, Kenya. Roasts all in there, and I've been switching nice. between them all day, um, black. But um, I thought I would treat myself since we're doing the show, and <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> so, so welcome to Coffee Chow Chow. Coffee Chow Chow. Now let me let me get you on another diversion here. Oh shit! You immediate. You very recently started a Twin Peaks podcast, and I'd yeah. like to know what's going on with that. Um, it was going great and I did, I think three episodes and then I haven't done any because my schedule has not permitted me to go back, but, um, hopefully I'll do about two or three more this month. And I think what I'm going to do is just stagger the releases instead of just like doing a bunch and then puking them all out. Right. But I mean, a lot of it is like, um, I'm finally finishing Black Star Canyon, um, starting right. yeah, this Christmas. Yeah, that's right. I saw the, in- yeah, I saw so, the uh, info about that. That's cool. So that's kind of like sponsoring the Twin Peaks show. So um, Cool. But yeah, that's the Wow Bob Wow cast. Wow Bob Wow. And I think that, you know, that is um, 
you know, being released kind of in, in, a, in a anticipation of the revival of the series, which I think is next year, right, on Showtime? Yeah, did, did you um, pick up the book, The Secret History of Twin Peaks? No. Um, it's, it's good. It's caused a lot of, um, like, questions in the community. Is it the um, secret history of the Twin Peaks from a production standpoint or from the script standpoint? No, it's a, it's a completely fictional book oh, that okay. um, starts back with um, Lewis and Clark. And okay. And it goes up until, <clears throat> kind of up until um, the show starts. Wow. But um, there's a lot of misinformation in the book. Okay. And Purposely? Purposely? It or? has to be. Like, yeah. we, like everyone's been um, putting their own, like, ideas and thoughts into it. And um, it's, like, blatant. Like, there's a lot of stuff that is just, like, completely untrue um, mm. from the show standpoint. Right. Um, so, whatever the malarkey is behind it. It's interesting if you're into <laughs> that and following it. But, yeah, um, but yeah it's great. Well, now, what was there was something that came out very recently about some sort of um, some sort of bad blood between one of the actors and David Lynch, and I think it was maybe Sherilyn Finn or something. Did you see that? Um, <clears throat> no, I didn't. But um, it wouldn't surprise me totally. I, I, from what I've heard, Laura Flynn Boyle. Um, might not be on the best terms, and the guy who played Hank, right, might not be on the best terms. Um, but I don't Do we know. We really want Laura, Laura Flynn Boyle, Boyle to come back anyway. I mean, she looks horrible, right? No, she's looking okay. Really? Oh, Laura Flynn Boyle. She oh. looked like a plastic surgery no, no, no. nightmare. Yeah, Laura Flynn Boyle. Um, I thought you were talking about Sherilyn Finn again. But, um, no, Sherilyn Finn looks great. And I'll tell you that other one, um, the girl who played Shelly is um, unbelievably Mad, Mad Amick or whatever. Yeah. She's always been. She was just on an episode of... Oh, I'm going to punch myself in the face here. She was on Californication. Yeah, but she was just on a, an episode of some show where... She was a kind of a shitty mom and not taking her kid to the doctor. <laughs> and the oh oh, it's nope. on the tip of my tongue. The doctor was the one, of the one of the wives in um, Big Love. Chloe Sevigny and her <laughs> husband. Buddy. Shit! What was that? Her husband. <laughs> Oh, God, there's probably someone right now listening going, You fucking idiot! It is blah, blah, blah! But, um, <laughs> but yeah, she has... Yeah, I mean, she's on that. when she was in the original series, she I think she was my favorite. And she has not, like, aged a bit. She looks exactly, like, amaz as amazing as she always did. Or maybe I just like older women because I've grown up, but who knows? You know? Yeah, her hair's not as crunchy and big as it used to be, which yeah. I think is kind of sad. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
that's Twin Peaks. Yeah, moving right along. I'm excited. <laughs> I am, me too. All right, so. All right, so let's talk about this film. Francesca. I mean, I mean, we have had more requests to cover this film than I think any other film. And I'm talking about the five people that are our diehard fans. <laughs> Which I, yeah. So because you agreed to this, why don't you give us the plot? Oh my god, really? <laughs> I'll try. Um, okay, well let me <laughs> let me let me first pull up um, IMDb so I can grab a little bit of facts here. Um, um, there's not a lot on there, just so you know. No, um, there isn't. There does. They don't even have a listing for who wrote the soundtrack, which, in my opinion, oh, is probably the best part of the movie. The soundtrack is amazeballs. It is. It's really fucking it great. It is so good. IMDb um, has given this movie 5 out of 10 stars, which surprises me because normally a movie like this will get a lot more and I'll go like, why the hell did this get so like such a high rating? Mm-hmm. But I think 5 is fair. I think it's because not a lot of people have seen it. It's only got 162 ratings. So, I mean, as in our circle, in our... You know, in our little bubble of the world, it seems like Giallo, people have seen this, like been watching this movie forever, right? And and outside of this, I mean, I have a friend who's big in the Hollywood, um, uh, the Hollywood environment. Like he's been uh, part of the producing crew for um, that movie with uh, the guy from Breaking Bad, uh, uh, Trumbo. He was on that one. I don't know if you saw that, but anyway, he he went to uh, is it. Cannes? Not Cannes. What's the one that's in... Um... France. Yeah, what's the yeah. one that's in the ski resort? Oh, um, Sundance. Sundance. <laughs> well, anyway, I, 
Never mind. Whichever one, whichever one Francesca got some sort of a recognition for, I, um, I, I, I sent him a message and I'm like, Hey dude, I know you're out there because you're, you know, you're, you're promoting Captain Fantastic, I think is, is what it was. Um, but uh, I said, you should go see Francesca because it's like a revival of the Jalo and blah, 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 blah. And uh, I never got a response from him at all. Yeah, you'll probably never hear from him again. Like, yeah. That was like the last thing you could have said to him. Like, I, like I, I have this fantasy that people in legitimate film circles who like are into Tarantino and are into like independent film know all about Jalo. Uh, because it was, you know, one of the big influences of, you know, modern cinema, but maybe not. I don't know. So anyway, let's talk about uh, Francesca and let's talk about uh, Luciano Onetti, who is the director. Now, um, I first encountered Lucio Onetti's um, work in a film called Deep Sleep, which ironically also has a perfect 5.0 rating. Uh, for 87 people instead of 163. So t- basically twice as many people have seen uh, Francesca. Now, the problem that I had with Deep Sleep, or uh, by its Italian title, Sono Profondo, is that um, it didn't. It wasn't really a fucking movie. I mean, it was just... And now look, to in, in defense of the film, I watched about three quarters of it before I turned it off, and it was just a montage of images. That's all it was. Um, and the images were really well crafted and really well framed. And the music was great. And the camera work was great. And the way that they, you know, the way that they really referenced the imagery that came from '70s Jolly uh, was fantastic. But it was just an art piece. And so I didn't like it. Um, and so now. You know, we're looking at Francesca, which is Lucio Onetti's second film, uh, his follow-up to Deep Sleep. And we definitely have more of a plot here. Um, Nicholas Onetti, which I can only assume is his brother. Oh, okay. or Or maybe Nicolas. I don't know if that means it's a girl or it doesn't even have to be a girl. It could be his husband. I mean, I don't. Chris, you are burying yourself right now. Stop it. Yeah, I'm I'm really like committing every politically incorrect sin there is. Um, But anyway, uh, Lucio Onetti, the director of Francesca, had some help with this one by Nicolas. Uh, And they share the same last name, so they must be related in some way or another. Um, And the film was released in 2015. It's 120 minutes long. It's very short. Um... And it falls under the umbrella of Neo Giallo. Now, um, again, going into this, I had two different stances on it. Having seen the film prior to this one, I wasn't expecting much more. But having heard all and read all of the rave reviews from our, our friends on the Facebook group, as well as countless other people who have seen the film and written reviews about it, I said, okay, let's give this a shot. Um, and it kind of, you know, for us, it kind of fell, you know, below the radar, under the radar, if that's the cliche you want to say. Um, and we talked about other films, but I think that you know, there was enough 
people on our board that said, please, please review this thing. So um, I rented it from Amazon. I rented the HD version for uh, $3.99. And it does come with subtitles, but it is in Italian. And the subtitles aren't synced up well, uh, but that's okay. And sometimes the subtitles are on the screen for five seconds, maybe even like half a second yeah um, and they don't give you any chance to read what's going on um and so what happened was i think that we were planning on uh covering this film last week so i rented the film and i watched it i fell asleep i woke up i watched some more i fell asleep again and i have no idea what happened i know i watched the end scene i'm like oh okay i get it but i really didn't get the gist of the film um, and then we ended up not covering it that week, and so I actually had to pay another three ninety nine to rent it again. And I should have just paid the twelve dollars to buy it. But um, and and uh, Amazon Video has this thing where you can actually download the video that you've rented to your device, so you can watch it offline, which is really cool. But last night I sat down to watch it, and I was immediately taken by a couple of things. First of all, just like the film before, and again, I keep forgetting what the fuck its name is. Deep Sleep. Profondo something. Deep Sleep. Sono Profondo. Um, Just like Sono Profondo, it is, I don't want to say over-the-top stylistic, but it is very stylistic. Um, Like, over-the-top stylistic to me means a bad thing. And I don't think that this film stylistically is bad. I think it's really, really well done stylistically. But um, sometimes as I'm going through this, it's a bit of a grind um, with all of the scenes and all of the things and all of the um, all of the elements and all of the things that are framed in the scene and all of the symbolism and all of the metaphor and all of the references to old Jolly. Um, which are the fact a lot. That, which are a lot. And the yeah. fact that they, the fact that they dialed up the contrast, right? Is that what they did? I mean, I'll, I'll the, be, the, I'll be talking about this in great detail, but yeah, that's what they did. I mean, it looks like it's on fire basically. So, um, but, but you had asked me to, to describe the plot and I haven't even started. So, um, let me take another sip here. (laughs) So the plot, if I can try to reassemble it has to do with the fact that there is a murderer and the murderer is murdering people and leaving some sort of a calling card that is a combination of putting coins on their eyes and leaving quotes in the typical ransom note kind of format from Dante's The Divine Comedy, I think. Um, And so after this first murder, and I'll talk about the beginning in a second, but after the first murder is discovered by the police, they... Uh, recruit the help of somebody who's very, very, very familiar with Dante's Divine Comedy and just also happens to be the father of a girl who disappeared 15 years ago who is named Francesca. Did I get that right so far? Am I, uh, yeah, he was, um, I think, that? a professor yes, some or sort an of pro- actor or something. 
Yeah, there's a scene where he's doing some sort of a soliloquy from Dante's Inferno, and everybody's clapping for him. Yeah. So I think he's like a combination academic actor type thing. Um, but before we learn about the first murder, we have this kind of flashback scene that happens in the beginning. And it has to do with this little girl who um, decided, I don't know, at some point or another, she must have found a dead bird and decided to to stab it until it was just in in so many pieces that it looked like just road pizza. And that seemed to evolve into a scene where she thought it would be cool in the same way to be stabbing the bird to stab the eyeball of a baby that was in the carriage in the beginning of the movie. And the, the mother of the baby in the carriage comes running out and grabs the baby and starts to scream. And that's, that's where the movie starts. And then we have this high-heeled, fishnet stocking-wearing woman or man with red gloves playing the piano. Now, you cannot play the piano that way no, if you're you wearing cannot. red gloves. It's impossible. But anyway... Um, but for a second, you know, we need to talk about the music because the music is really good. Um, one of the things that bothered me about the film in the beginning was that the credits didn't stop rolling until about 10 minutes after the start it of the was film. So much credits. And that's exactly what they did on this other film. The one that I keep forgetting the name of deep sleep, right? They did the same thing with Deep Sleep. It's like 15 minutes later, and then there's another, like, you know, directed by, edited by, music by. And then after you think all the credits are done, and they show, um, I think it's regia. Is, is that the Italian term for director? I think so, yeah. Show regia di uh, Luciano Onetti, and then they go into a list of the actors, and it just keeps going and going. But they do that after that whole opening beginning scene. So like you have all of the rest of the credits going when the cops finding the body. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's credits rolling when you see the woman or the, 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 the killer basically playing the piano. There's credits there. And then the, 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 the girl shows up now. Okay. So, so let's, let's work, let's work our way through this. So, have the detective okay, let, let's figure up. this out. Let's figure this out. Do you want to give your take and then I'll give my take? Or are we jumping in as each part comes up? Well, let me just let me just add a little bit more to the plot and then, and then I think I'm going to hand it over to you. Okay. Um, so uh, the detective and I guess the detective assistant show up and they are following the clues, which aren't many. There's a witness who saw the body being pulled into the park, and when the killer noticed that they that there was a witness, the killer ran away. Now, I need to ask you, because you're the fashion person, the thing that the killer was wearing around their neck, it's like this gigantic, like, it's almost like a skirt, but you don't wear it around your waist, you wear it around your neck. Is there a name for that kind of thing? It was either like some sort of veil thing or some kind of shawl thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. But it was like, it was there more to conceal than it was to look cool. Right, right. Because the outfit was just really bad. I mean, like, it was so odd. 
I mean, maybe it wasn't bad. It was just it was just off putting. Let's put it that way. Um, so there's a big kind of part in the in the middle of this where my brain just kind of goes gray, and and when I think about what happened in the middle of the movie, I just hear blur. Yeah. But um, I think that you know, basically from there we had a sequence of more murders, and then we had the the police and uh, trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, they elicit the help of a man who is in a wheelchair, who, like you said, is an actor slash professor who um, had something to do with the divine comedy, but also had a daughter who went missing 15 years ago. And so I think the implication is that this Francesca who went missing 15 years ago is the one who's doing the murdering. Well, that's what um, they're trying to make you think. Okay. And so the murders continue, and I think the murderer at one point goes and kills one of the women who um, was a witness in order to uh, make sure that the, the no, there are no witnesses. Um, but there are a few other murders, and I think it's very similar to Tenebrae, where the killer is trying to rid the world of corruption or something of like that sort. Um, and then I think, like I said, I think I draw a blank. So l- why don't you jump in at this okay. point? Well, well, let me let me explain how I saw this. Um, Chris had to rent it twice. I. <laughs> Um, said to myself, you know what? No way, sir. So it, for three days, I was downloading um, a torrent of Francesca, only to find that not only was it only in Italian with no subs and no dubs, but it was the wrong Francesca. It was a movie <laughs> called Francesca from 2009. And it took me some time before I realized I was watching the wrong film. And um, so that sucked. So um, I went ahead and got it. And like most Jally, I watched about 20 minutes of it before anyone started talking to let me know that I need to have the subtitles on. <laughs> so that pissed me off. Right. <laughs> I don't know why they do that. It just like every single one. Uh, but, um, so right off the bat, I was definitely struck by the color, the look of it, um, the, the fashion in the sense of the garishness and vibrance of it. Um, but as it was going, I started to like realize other things like it looks really period and looks really good on wide shots. But when you do close-ups on people, um, it didn't look period anymore and I couldn't fucking figure out what it was. And, um, I'll get more to the plot in a second here, but what it is is that two things happened here. They either, and pr- this is probably what they did shot it digitally with, um, an amazing camera 
and then tried to reverse engineer the look of the seventies, like with the colors and all this other shit. Yeah. The other way they could have done it was actually shooting on film, but used really good lenses, um, which kind of at that point would defeat the purpose of bringing it back um, to make it look shittier. So basically I believe it's more of the former rather than the latter and that they shot in um, probably 4k or something like that. And yeah, because you could see every fucking pore on everybody's face. And in the seventies and the sixties and even in the eighties, you could not do that. Um, so to kind of cover this up and I'm sure the cinematographer of this movie, um, was trying to actually shoot something and make it look amazing. And then in post the director and editor or whatever, probably cranked all the colors up, but Right. The problems for me start when the white balance gets so fucked between scenes. Yeah. And the white, like there'll be a shot of paper and the paper's so bright. It doesn't even look like a stack of papers. It just looks like this big white like thing on the desk. And then there'll be people's faces that are so like blown out white that there's no like there's one scene in particular in the office and one of the cops, like half of his face, there's just like nothing to it. It's just bright white. And it, but it just like kind of fucked everything else up. So with that being said, like I appreciate what they were trying to go for and it looks cool a lot of the time, but like whenever it would show like the mom laying in bed, like her chest would be like yellow. Right. You know, and just like there were so many times when it looked really cool, but because of all of the saturation and everything they were doing, it would make other things look like shit. And I couldn't stop looking at those things. Right. 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 So that bothered me. The other thing that bothered me, um, about since we're talking fashion stuff here too, is that a lot of the um, cool jackets and shit that people were wearing um, were obviously vintage and of that period because they were completely worn like around the seams and stuff. Yeah. And like the guy who's walking into the graveyard, he's got on this like brown like velour blazer and like chunks of it are like worn off. And the thing is, is like in these old movies, that fashion was new. So none of that stuff would look worn or old. So there was that whole thing that was weird, but coming back to the story, never would have thought of that. The story is, um, one of the big plots here is that for some reason, um, the guy in the wheelchair is drugging or giving pills to the mom who's basically bedridden. And that's a really big thing because, um, what this movie is basically hanging its hat on 
is the fact that it's having a um, unreliable narrator. Right. And when a movie's whole plot hinges on the fact that the filmmaker is going to do everything they can to make you not know what the fuck's going on, I get really irritated because I feel like it's abusive, I guess. And, um, but to be fair, this is the first time, and I don't know how long that I guessed the killer right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And I like have not been right on that on a new movie that I've seen in so fucking long. I can't even tell you the last movie that I was right about because it so rarely happens. Right. But, um, but dude, I mean, there's only like two suspects in the whole film. So, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, steal your thunder or anything, but no, you are. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that there was that many. I mean, suspects it's very, to deal with in the first place. it's very Scooby-Doo how it is because it's like, the Scooby-Doo formula is like something strange happens and you meet somebody and then you might not meet that person again until the end of the episode, but that first person you met is going to be the killer. Right. And um, I think what it was, we're going to ruin it right now, but we're not going to ruin it at the same time because there's a second twist that I did not see coming. But um, it's the guy in the wheelchair. He right. gets up and he walks and wears a dress and shit. Um, right. Just like in Dress to Kill. I, I think when you were talking about the real unreliable narrator, you were talking specifically about the fact that he told the story about how there was some intruder that came into his house and stabbed him in the back, rendering him uh, unable to walk. Well, it's not just that. And, I mean, that and is... Stole- and then t- and took off with Francesca, yeah. right? I mean, that that is one bit. But, I mean, let's go down the list here. The movie's called Francesca. And the poster shows, like, a woman's legs. Um, hold, I can't remember exactly if she's holding, like, a knife or a doll or whatever. But alluding to the fact that, ooh, there's something up with Francesca. And then it shows Francesca as a child trying to kill the baby at the park, stabbing the baby in the face, all this other shit. Then um, it shows the killer playing the piano. And then there's a flashback where Francesca is being taught how to play the piano by the mom. Right. And um, the dad eventually does enter into the room, but is not in the room for the flashback that we're seeing. And... Then we have the mother talking to a grown-up Francesca in the room and the wheelchair guy going by um, after their conversation takes place. Right. So there's all these things leading to the fact that um, Francesca is the killer. Then there is um, stuff that leads to the fact that the mom is the killer. Right. Then the only logical explanation that's left after we find the mom hung in the room is that the dad's the killer and he can't walk. Or he can walk. 
And this right. whole thing happened because at the beginning of the thing, you see the guy in the wheelchair. The first time you see him, he's like in this bumpy ass grass in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a really shitty place to put somebody in a wheelchair. I'm like, I bet that motherfucker could walk. Did you did you find it interesting too that when when the police officer showed up, he started pushing the guy around, talking to him about, and then just stops <laughs> and then just leaves him there. Yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the field. That was, that was amazing. Great. I was I was thinking about that, and that's another thing about this movie that is, um, like, you could tell from someone who's a fan of the genre to someone who created the genre because there are so many scenes in this movie that any editor would have trimmed the shit out of. Like for instance, the scene you were talking about when he was fighting with the intruder that stabbed him in the back or whatever. Right. When it shows them struggling, it like starts and they're not moving. Like he's holding the guy's hands up. Dude, I totally then, noticed that. And too. then they start going. And then there's another shot that's just horrendous where he's in the library, the cop, and he does this weird walk around a table and to go up and get a book. And just like the composition of it is so weird and he doesn't start walking right away. It's like he's standing there waiting for someone to say action. <laughs> and then he starts walking. And there's a few of these weird shots like that that lead me to think as a director who has done this before that more likely than not the brothers edited this film themselves because yeah. it's like they were like trying to just pad it it seemed like like let's get as much runtime in this thing as fucking possible. And I've been there. I've done that. I have, well, I had to, I have I had a to movie. look that up because um, it's montaggio is the word that they use in Italian. And I think that means editing. If you look up the translation or the definition of montaggio, it means to put together. So I think that that is what they're taught. I think that's the editing thing. Yeah. Does it say it's him that did and it's, it? And it's by him. Yeah. Okay. It's totally him. Um, well, the other thing too, I, I, I let me say some things that I did like though. The opening is beautiful, but yeah. like that whole thing with like the bird in slow motion. Yep. Like I was like, "Fuck, this is gonna be a really fucking long movie, huh?" Like this is gonna be a very <laughs> slow fucking burn. Um, did it remind you of um, footprints a little bit? Like it just it gave me that feel like like when you were saying it's going to be a long movie. Well, at first I because like to be honest, like as as far as um, Neo Jalo, like um, the strange color of your body's tears is kind of what I kind of gauge everything by. Right. And that to me that movie was fucking amazing. And it was good. It was good. These. Absolutely. Like this one, um, Barbarian Sound Studio, like, they just don't have it. They just kind of drag. And from a story sense on this, so the killer kills the girl that saw her dragging the body. 
Then she kills a concert pianist who is coming back after the strange death of his wife. And um, the actual shot where the killer comes out from the stage and gets him is actually really great. Um, Yeah, that was cool. And then the killer kills his assistant at a confession in a church. Now, what I don't understand (laughs) is why those people mattered. Like, it seemed like there was something about them personally that made him want to kill them. Right. But I don't, I can't tell you what it is, but, um, <clears throat> now getting to the end of this movie, cause this is the actual part that requires a lot of thought here. Well, real quick, um, the coins that the killer was putting on the eyes of the victims was actually coming from the assistant cop. He was apparently a coin collector. Now, at this point, I don't know why, before that, like, they didn't, like, go into that more. Like, oh, you collect coins. Like, you're a huge collector. What is What do these coins signify? Da-da-da-da-da. Like, there didn't really seem to be a whole lot of investigating in that point. Yeah, yeah. can you explain the scene where... The person who, I guess, is selling the coins receives a letter um, saying that, hey, I'm going to pay you triple, like four times or yeah. triple the price of what I normally pay you. Was that letter supposed to be from the killer? No, it was supposed to be from just someone random. Okay. And why, though? To get the coins. Because okay. he was the only one who had these like rare coins. That okay. the killer knew, I guess. But um, the thing that is just so strange, like if I know I have rare coins and I'm a cop and I'm selling rare coins to somebody and then people start showing up dead, right. there's going to be a fucking light bulb going off that says, huh, maybe <laughs> this coin, especially because people who collect coins know the years of the coins and they study their coins. They'll know nicks that are in the coins. Right. He would see, he would know those coins were the ones that he had. Right. Like, there's no way that that could have like, like, Ooh, under the rug. So then the killer <clears throat> kills him with a poison apple. Um, to make it look like suicide and then tries to make it look like a suicide. And then, um, the main cop goes on some like weird joint bender where he's just like chain smoking big fat doobies and then has like a thought that, Hey, I didn't kill myself because I'm right handed or something. <laughs> and then he never talks about that again. Like, it was like, oh, that was a weird dream. Moving right along. This is like the worst cop in the history of fucking cinema, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's really bad. I don't even remember half of the shit you just said. Okay. <clears throat> well, you're not missing out a whole lot. So then he goes to the library, and the best part of the library is the librarian with her giant blue-tinted glasses. Amazing. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so he gets out a copy of the Divine Comedy or whatever from the library, 
and notices that there's a page missing. And he pulls out the picture of Francesca, the whatever, and puts it in and realizes that it fits perfectly. And then goes to the librarian and says, I need to know who checked this out last. And it turns out that it's the mom. Right. So that's like, oh, but here's where I'm thinking. If this guy is such a huge, like, divine comedy scholar, why the fuck is he going to the library to check the book out? Doesn't he have, like, 12 copies of it? Or one? <laughs> right. Like, <clears throat> like that, that bit is just, like, fishy as hell. Right. And watching this cop walk around with a gun is also fishy as hell. I don't think he's ever held a gun in his life, but anyway. <laughs> so, <clears throat> he... Does what he does. He finds the mom. The the baby doll in the chair um, comes rolling at him. And um, then he's just like, oh, I'm going to... They fight. He kills the guy. And you think it's over. But then it's not. And the cop gets stabbed through the head with, like, a dipstick to check your oil. Right. And we pull back. And we see... That the one-eyed son is like 15 years old. And the baby from the beginning. Now, here begins a giant list of why this is all bullshit. (laughs) Well, he also finds Francesca's corpse in the bed. Which is a big one. That's the like weird blue-looking dead skeleton thing, right? But here's the thing that's fucking stupid. Like... He finds a corpse in a bed. He doesn't know who the fuck corpse it is. We right. do because we see like the flashbacks of everything that really happened. And then going back to that whole thing where the actor doesn't start until after the scene starts, when he's choking Francesca, he's just kind of like holding her by the neck. And then they're right. like, action. And then he's like, okay, I'm not going to squeeze. I'm just going to kind of shake gently. Yeah, I think they had to make sure that they didn't uh, Kill have that on screen for too long. Yeah. Well, anyway. She was minor. So, there's a corpse in the bed that's pretty gnarly looking, and I'm not sure if that's what a corpse would look like 15 years later, buried in shallow earth with right. no covering. But I digress. We won't complain right. about that. But if Francesca... <laughs> didn't kill anybody if the baby wasn't dead if the mom wasn't crazy why the fuck is anyone killing anybody like there's no motive anymore all every motive that we had been given through the whole film doesn't make any sense now there's absolutely no reason for any of this to transpire now right there is one little thing. Um, did you watch after the credits? Uh, no. Okay. Well, the way that it ends, it has this like fin bit, and it's getting smaller yeah. and smaller. I'm looking at it, and then it goes to some black and white thing, right? Yeah. Now, it goes to like some like torture movie, and uh-huh. this takes us back to the slides that. What the fuck is going on in here? Oh, it goes back to the slides that um, the killer was looking at that was like the porn stuff. Right, 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 okay. Now, what he's saying 
in this whole thing is that you have to be like really, really evil in order to get through the gates of hell. And he says something about this to the cop when they first meet. And it's very graphic. It's not like super graphic, but it implies a lot. This last scene. I'm watching it now. Yeah. And when you listen to it, it sounds like a kid crying, but because of the high contrast, you could see all the stubble in the armpit and in the pubic region, which would lead you to think immediately that it's not a kid. Right. So, but I'm like leaning. It's definitely a. It's definitely a grown woman. I'm looking at. Yeah. So I'm leaning. I'm thinking that like maybe that is supposed to be Francesca, and this is this is such a bird with the crystal plumage like thing. Yeah. Right now. I honestly, uh, creep. I have never. I never saw this part. I'm looking at it for the very first time now, and it's probably the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> It it is done well, let's say, but it's um because the the few things that pop up here is that if the killer wasn't killing for any kind of family revenge or anything like that, right? Judging by the slides, the killer might have been killing because um like going by the old Jalo tropes that they might be gay or bisexual and they don't know how to deal with it. And they're a cross dresser and all this other stuff. So they kill for that reason. Cause if you recall, right. um, the slides had a dude and two chicks yep. and one of them, the dude and one of the girls were butt to butt, <laughs> which would imply there was something in there. Um, it's like that, uh, uh Requiem for a dream. Ass to ass. Ass to ass, yeah. So (laughs) then you're like thinking, well, maybe he's just killing these people because he's sexually confused. Now, being at 2016, saying that, that sounds fucking stupid. But in the 70s and early 80s, that was a legitimate reason to go on a killing spree. But now, it's not. But the movie was supposed to be an old movie... But then why would that even be the reason for murder? So I'm going to throw that whole reason out and go with the reason that if someone's going to what he was saying, you have to be um, free of any kind of sadness. You can't say sorry when you're going to die or going to hell or whatever. You have to be totally pure with your evil and all this other shit. But then I'm like, if that's how he felt, why was he hiding in a wheelchair and dressing up like a girl? Like to hide his identity. Shouldn't he be like fully like I'm evil and I don't give a shit and I'm going to kill motherfuckers. So with me thinking too hard about it, I think that there's absolutely no plot in this movie that seems to be full of plot. Right. So, well, like I said, the plot of this film is uh, head and shoulders above the plot of the film from the previous uh, entry by these guys. And I only say that because um, when I watched the first film, uh, I, I swear, like, I've got this thing, this block in my head. What is it called? Deep sleep. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, 
I swear that I I tried to look for a plot and there wasn't one. I think I remember like something about there was a killer and then the killer was called on the phone and he picked up the phone and somebody told him that they knew that he was the killer. But that's all I remember. Oh, snap. Anyway, like Francesca obviously has more going for it than that, but. But I don't think it does because I feel like everything is based on this illusion that the filmmakers are like, it's one thing to have a twist in the movie. Like for instance, the twist that the baby is alive. That's a twist. Right. But having the directors like tell us the whole time that Francesca is going to be the killer. Francesca is going to be the killer. Francesca is going to be, Oh no, sorry. Um, those flashbacks we gave you, um, you know, there was no way you could have seen those, and um, so fuck you. Like, we're, right. it's yeah. like it's like high tension. Like, I have a huge problem with that movie. Yeah, yeah because yeah. like the beginning of the movie could not have taken place, right? At all, if that was and, the and, case. And and that's the thing that sucks about high tension because the beginning of the movie is so good, and then when they try to resolve what's really happening you're like what the fuck are they are they kidding they must be kidding because there there's so much tension in that film like i mean it really is that movie and we're going off obviously on a tangent here but i saw that the first time i saw that movie um and i didn't know what was going on i was i was glued to my seat i I was was glued to my my seat until the end and i was so mad i probably broke a couple things (laughs) Like, no, seriously, like, I don't understand why filmmakers now have to, like, try to outsmart everybody. Yeah, 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 exactly. just tell a fucking good story, dude. Like, I don't even care if it's good. Tell me a shitty story. It doesn't have to be a twist. It can just be a story. But just have it be a story that's entertaining. I'm giving you an hour and a half of my life. Entertain (laughs) me. Don't try to trick me. Don't try to like make me poop my pants like fucking what was that irreversible? He's like, I put this sound in that um would make people really uncomfortable and it's a sound that would make people poo or some fucking (laughs) shit like that. Why would you fucking do that? I I never heard of that. (laughs) Have you seen that movie? No. (laughs) Oh, okay, well whatever. But it's just like there's something with, I don't know. I don't want to get on a fucking horse and start bitching, but like, well, well, let me let me just jump in and say um, that I was about. I mean, I I was at work today and I had a few moments to spare, and I was going to write up a summary of the film for Jalo Score, uh, and then I got busy with other things. But I was going to start off the review by writing that I don't envy anybody who decides that they're going to make a Neo Giallo because it is got to be a very difficult task. Um, And for the most part, the reason is that you're talking about something that happened in a time capsule. Yeah. I mean, everything came together so that these films were put together and, and you can look back on them and, and see that everything had to be happening as, at just the way that it happened in order for these films to come together and be as successful as they were or as interesting as they are for us. Um, when you decide to go back and make a Neo Giallo, you don't have that time capsule. You have to recreate it one way or the other by either just amping up all of the visuals, 
trying to do a whole bunch of references to other films so that people say, oh, yeah, that reminds me of Argento. Oh, that reminds me of Martino. But um, the thing that I think the Francesca film forgets about is that, and we've talked about this a million times on this podcast, is that these films were built for, or they were created for a working class audience who wasn't going to be paying that much attention to the film. And so when you went to see these films, like Case of the Scorpion's Tale, or The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, or um, Case of the Bloody Iris, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on. There's a bunch of people that talk, and there's scenes, and there's a detective, and there's an amateur detective, and there's there's people, and there's girls that talk to each other, and there's 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 scenes, and none of that is in Francesca. I mean, all the stuff that Argento did, where he kind of really amped up the whole visual aspect with the fetishistic uh, imagery and everything, that was great. But Argento had already kind of established himself as a good giallo director. And now, like when Deep Red came out, it's like, okay, I'm going to challenge the films that I've already made to make something different. And then when Tenebrae came out, I was like, I'm going to challenge again, you know. So, like, but Argento. Here's, here's the thing with that, though, because, like, I, I don't want people out there. Like, let's just go out on a limb and say people who are listening to the show might be future filmmakers who are going to make a Neo Giallo. Okay. Making making a Argento inspired film does not mean you're making a neo giallo. It means you're right. making um, a homage to Argento. And just to be clear, the only reason why Argento has any clout whatsoever is because he had good cinematographers. He had money to make movies. Now, right. when you look at Argento with bad cinematographers and no money, his movies are shit. <laughs> look at basically everything he's made since fucking, like, 1988. You know? Like, he is not... Like, his films that he is known for were built by his cinematographers, not by him. And I will argue people, they're like, oh, they're his dreams, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I could have a dream that I was like crapping at a McDonald's and tell a cinematographer about it. And he could make it fucking look cool. Well, now look, I have to kind of jump in here and say that I don't necessarily 100% agree because I think that Argento really had his hands in a lot of the aspects of these films in the beginning. Yes. But to a certain extent, you're right. I mean, he had his father, Salvatore, who had tons of money and gave him enough money to, to, to come out and do something independent for himself. He also had a crew that was, you know, a, a crew that worked on spaghetti westerns and some of these uh, other, like, top-shelf uh, art house films like Antonioni and Fellini and whatnot to help him. And he also had the influence of Mario Bava. Um, so, And, I know, mean, didn't one of his cinematographers win an Oscar for Apocalypse Now? Was that the right movie? Yeah, 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 absolutely. The guy who did Bird with Crystal Plumage, who also did The Fifth Chord, um, won an Oscar for, I think it was Apocalypse Now, but maybe not. I, I could be wrong, but I can't remember exactly. But like, I understand what you're saying there. But like, the other thing is, if you want to make a Neo Jallo, these are all the things you need. <clears throat> Whatever money you get, 
spend on clothes. Okay? <laughs> That's all you need. Just spend it on fucking amazing clothes, amazing wardrobes. Get a bunch of models who can act but look beautiful. Have someone who actually knows what a mystery is write a script that has words in it where people have conversations. This isn't mumblecore. This isn't fucking like whatever the fuck is going on. Like it's an actual mystery. Watch an episode of fucking Murder, She Wrote and copy it. For fuck's sake, okay? Right, right, right. <clears throat> All you need is the beautiful girls, at which this movie had none. Nothing. Like, there Absolutely was a girl. Nothing. There was one girl in the whole movie. The chick right. and the... Um, and there were some porn shots, but that was nothing. Yeah. Um, you have great music, but, well, like, and- the look and the sound is what you need to focus on, and then just have a fucking comprehensible story. Even right. Eyeball... Is comprehensible, you know. <laughs> Compared to this, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And here's the thing: it, it, it's almost like it's it's almost like feudal, right? Because we watch these films now, and the storyline that they put that they've put together at the time seemed to be a legitimate story, and we watch it and realize how ridiculous it is. So now, if you're going to recreate that, how do you do it? I mean, how do you how do you turn like so? Most of these jolly, with the exception of a couple of them, like Solange, for example, Solange is, and My Dear Killer, both of those films are very somber, or Who Saw Her Die is very somber, but most of them, they have a little bit of tongue-in-cheek to them, they have a little bit of silliness to them, so that it's not so serious, it's not so, it's not so, um, it's not, it's not so important that everything it is criticized as far as the way that the story is, is constructed. Um, and even like Argento will put things in his films where there's some comic relief. Um, oh yeah. And, and this film had none of that. I mean, this film basically, um, it, the, you know, again, it, it took the idea. And, and like I said before, as I started, uh, criticizing back uh, a, a few minutes ago, the idea of creating a Neo Jalo means that you kind of have to decide what you're going to do. Is this going to be an art film? Is this going to be a film that's more of a detective? I mean, like... I don't know why every Neo Jalo has to be a fucking art film. Right. Like, what the fuck is the problem? I haven't seen a single one where they focus on the storyline. So, footnote, uh, Vittorio Storaro, or uh, Storaro, uh, was the cinematographer for... um, Bird with Crystal Plumage, as well as Fifth Chord, he won Oscars for Apocalypse Now. He was also the cinematographer for The Last Emperor, as well as Last Tango in Paris. So, I mean, that, I mean, you're talking about some serious, you know, credibility. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we talked about this before, like, Argento's stuff started to suck because people didn't go to the movies anymore and they watched shit on TV. And he started making his movies for people who watch shit on TV. Yeah. And... But I really think that these guys that made Francesca, um, they're probably super cool guys that we would totally love. Yeah. And they really, really wanted to do something to pay homage to all of these directors and all of the, all of the 
energy and the effort that went into creating this movement, this genre, that really was created accidentally. I mean, you have to go back and realize that the the giallo genre was not something that people decided ahead of time that they were going to create. Yeah. It was just and it was one of those things that was also created out of necessity and convenience. Right, of you course. Know, it's not like, hey, I want to make something arty. You know, like, here I go. But, like, even if you don't want to make, like, a fucking body count mystery or something like that, look at anything Lindsay made pre-1970. And you could just have just have beautiful places. Right. You know, that, a that nice was car. Great, there were locations on this movie. There were some great locations in this. I don't remember them. What were they? One was the cemetery. There was this awesome chiseled statue um, that just looked like a fucking German expressionist, like silent film. It was just gorgeous. Oh, okay. Yes, I remember um, that. I, I guess then, what I'm thinking of is when you're talking about, um, when you're talking about Lindsay and like those exotic locations, yeah. like Mallorca and stuff like that. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Well, like even like, the old lady's apartment. Like there like was I some. Could, cool. I couldn't say that this was an urban landscape because it was just kind of blah. It's just scenes. Well, they know? couldn't show a lot of landscapes because they probably only had one car from the period. <laughs> right. So exactly. if they showed any wide shots of anything, there'd be like a bunch of fucking planes and cars and all sorts of shit. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and iPod charging docks and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> No, but so, so so I think what I'm trying to say is that it's not that I dislike the movie for what it tried to do because I don't envy anybody who tries to set out to make a neo-giallo, but I really could have used some more characters. I could have used some more uh, tits and ass. I could have used an amateur detective. I could have used – you know, um, some more suspects. Yeah. So that by the time we got to the end, no, you totally made a point, dude. There was like two suspects in the whole fucking movie. And I'm like sitting here blowing my trumpet. Like I'm a fucking goddamn (laughs) Columbo. (laughs) Like you figured it out. Why? I would hope so. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, what did this get on the score? By the way? Oh, Jallo score. Got it. It got a 57. What is that rank in between? So, so again, and we can go over this real quick, and you can let me know if I missed anything. Italian director, uh, a hidden identity. I did not give it um, credit for black gloves because the gloves were red. There was no amateur detective. Um, classic period. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the classic period is when the film was made, not necessarily when it's supposed to take place in. Yeah. So I didn't give it that. Um, and that's a that's an interesting thing to bring up too, because from what I read, I think it's assumed that this film is supposed to take place in the seventies, um, but there's no real direct indicator that it is, and there's no real direct indicator that it's not. It's kind of like one of those timeless movies, like like Pulp Fiction. Like, what year did Pulp Fiction exist in? You know. Um, but anyway. Um, I gave credit for a psychological trauma revenge motivation. I gave credit for... But I don't know if that's even legit. Right, I know, because basically of the arguments that you're making at the end. But I have to give it that, because it's not blackmail 
or monetary gain, so it has to be the other one. Um, the killer was killed by the police or another character. The director has more than one giallo. We'll give it to him because of that film that I keep forgetting the name of. Um, the body count was more than three. There was a flashback. Um, do you think that the film took place in an Italian location? It had to have, right? I mean, I don't know. Was, I think the it company was kind of like a location that didn't really have an identity at all. The company that made the film is actually from uh, Argentina, right? So I don't know. But was that Italy? Language, I mean, the film language was in Italian. Okay, so yeah, then yeah. I guess. I mean, there's no real discussion of where they are, where they exist. So I gave them credit for that. Um, I gave them credit for mistaken identity because at one point or another, we think that it's Francesca that's doing the killing, or at least we think it's a girl. Um, more than one killer or an accomplice? Nope, there wasn't one. Well, there were two killers. Who's the second killer, Francesca? No, the baby. Killed the cop oh, at the dead. end. All right, all, right, all right, I'll give it that. All right. Um, <laughs> the soundtrack uh, doesn't include anybody that we know. There was no nude scenes. Yeah, there was. There, there was. Oh yeah, the porn stuff. Okay. All right. All right. Look, it's going up. See, that's why we do it. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> suspects. Was there? Was there three or more suspects? No, I can't fucking believe this, dude. There was the guy in the wheelchair, the mom, and... Well, I guess Francesca, because they didn't know she was dead. Okay. Would you consider the location to be an urban location? Um, yeah, but you know what? I don't even think they knew the mother existed, because he never talked to the mom. Right. So that goes back to two. But I don't even think he was a suspect. The wheelchair guy wasn't a suspect until the very end of the movie. Yeah. Well, uh, when I consider a suspect, it's to the viewer and not necessarily to the cops or the amateur detective. Oh, okay. All right. So what, I mean, I, from what I remember of looking at the film, it looked like it was just individual locations out in the middle of nowhere. So I don't really consider it to be an urban location. Well, Here's the thing. If that guy was making a big comeback to play his piano or whatever, yeah, he would have done that in a place where people would come to see him because it was on the radio when um, they were talking to the forensics guy. So it had to have been a big deal. Yeah, but I mean, I think when I check off urban location on Jalapeno... Like you want to know what it is. It's because I'm watching a scene where a car is driving by and there's a bunch of like, you know, buildings and restaurants. And yeah, you're right, you're right. And blocks and it looks like New York City kind of. Okay. So there was no airplane taking off. There was no animal or number or color or death in the title. There was no funeral that anybody attended. Nobody was killed in the bathtub. There was now, no so, car. Just so you know, someone's going to argue the funeral because they buried Francesca in the garden. Yeah, but a funeral is a ceremony <laughs> where there's a priest and a coffin and people okay. gather. Okay. All right, all right. Uh, there was nobody. <coughs> there was no car or motorcycle racing. There was no chase scene. 
There was no comic relief character. Nobody died because they falled off of fell off of fall. I said fall. There was no, nobody died because they fell <laughs> off of something. Now I did get, I did give credit to the dolls or dummies. Yeah. Because there's a lot of that. Uh, I don't. Okay, I'll give gay and lesbian a check because of the porno slides that we saw. Okay. There was no there was no foreigner in the film. There was definitely a J and B bottle. Yeah. Uh, the odd clue, I'm going to give it to the coins. Um, there was no pathologist. There was no peeping Tom. Um, well, there was the scientist who found that the white substance found at one of the murder scenes was a fertilizer for growing plants in a front yard. Right. So that, and... is that kind of <laughs> like a pathologist? No, <laughs> a pathologist is the, is a doctor who specifically studies dead bodies. No, I know, but there was there's <laughs> science behind what they're trying to investigate. All right, so I have another I have another category called pseudoscience. Do you want me to check that one off? No, because okay. this is like real science that real figured science. it out. Science. All right, um, I gave a check to photography, glamour, modeling, and art just because of the piano playing. Um, and the photography. And the photo- right, and the photography. There In fact, pretty- there's this one great shot that's like right out of fucking eyeball where the, the killer's in this like red jacket leaning behind this tree, like sticking their head out trying to take a picture of the guy at the grave. Yeah. It was so ridiculous. Like, that was so funny. Okay, continue. I, I'm sorry. That's go. fine. There's no priest in the film. There's no pseudoscience. Nobody is trying to prove that they're innocent. There's no psychologist. I didn't see a single set of spiral stairs. There wasn't even an arrest. There was taunting, though, because at one point the killer called the, the cops. Yeah. Uh, so I gave them that. And then I have this thing for visual misinterpretation where it's like, the amateur director sees, or the amateur detective sees something and then realizes at the end of the film that it's something different. Um, I didn't give that either. So let me update the score here uh, based on what we just went over. Okay, 65 is now the score. Which I think is, like, very generous. That seems a little better. But I just want to say something. Do you notice, did you notice the Freudian slip you made? (laughs) No. (laughs) You, You said the amateur director. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. Listen, you're a I, dick. Listen, these guys, uh, the guys who put this film together, I have a lot of admiration for. I think they did a yeah. great job. I think that they painstakingly recreated a lot of these scenes. Um, it's just, I'm never gonna watch it again. I'm sorry. I, I will watch Strange Color of Your of Your Body's Tears. 10 times before I watch this one again. And if you want something that has a look that's old, that's worth watching, watch Stranger Things. Boom. Oh, yeah. That, that, That show is amazing. Absolutely amazing. But I think that these guys are onto something. I think that they could probably try again. Yeah, if they shoot on film, or if they put a shitty lens on a camera, or if they, like, even put fucking cellophane over the lens or something just to soften everyone's face. Right, right, Like, people... People don't look... Like, the one thing about this movie that was amazing was the contrast between the blue and the red. Mm -hmm. Like, 
that was like one of the most beautiful things to look at, but everything that wasn't blue or red was very ugly because of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, because that that scene where, you know, you've got the uh, the body with the the very first murder with the with the girl with the coins on her eyes yeah. and the uh, killer with the red gloves and that the red, red coat's great. Camera, I like the coat. Taking the pictures and stuff. I mean, all those colors were fantastic. Yeah. <sighs> so I'm. So should we apologize now to Brian and... Um, you mean everyone in the group? Everyone in our group that we didn't really like it? I mean... I like I liked this better than... Everybody just loved it. Like, they were just gushing over this I know. thing. And I like it better than Barbarian Sound Studio. Which I haven't seen, so... But I haven't seen, really, many of the Neo Jalo movies. So... If, I don't know that there are that many, or if there are, I just don't know what they are, because... Well, isn't that a mirror movie? Is that what it's called, a mirror? Oh, a mare, yeah, A-M-E-R. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch that forever, and I started That's... watching it, and I walked away for some fucking reason and never went back to it. Well, that's another kind of art piece, right? So it, that was directed by the same duo that directed um strange color of your body's tears yeah so i think it's kind of more of the same or maybe like a kind of the first version of strange colors that you know eventually evolved into strange colors i would give it a try again yeah because i really liked that so strange colors was good so you know i don't know like there are still um awesome movies from 71 to 78 that I haven't seen yet. So I'm, I'm not going to be running out to see anything like this unless it's amazing, but I don't even know if I could trust our friends. <laughs> oh, terrible. I, I did uh, tomorrow morning. There's well, not tomorrow morning, but by the time this thing gets published, there's going to be a whole bunch of like unsubscriptions from the group from these people because they just hate us so much. Because it's we, funny we, because yeah. I feel like everyone kind of expects it from me, but they <laughs> expect more out of you. <laughs> <laughs> but I've made it. I've made it known like early on that these Neo Jolly, I'm just not a big fan of like. You know, like, it's it's style over substance to the point where, um, like, listen, Jalo <clears throat> is notorious, or maybe not notorious, maybe notorious is not the right word, but Jalo is known for style over substance. I get it. I mean, the idea here is, you know, you put together a, a plot that really doesn't make much sense, but has a bunch of people in it, and then you take some directors that, Normally, and you you take a director and and a crew that normally work on first run art house uh, movies, but because they're not working at the moment, they're working on these, and they have to pump these things out like, you know, three or four or five of them, you know, uh, per month almost, um, and so they're going to have this stylistic a, a approach to the films because that's the way that they work. But, but because, the whole thing is, is that. 
they understand the art and they can do it. They understand right. the composition and they can do it. Exactly. Exactly. And back then you had to be good at it because you couldn't use computers and you couldn't yeah. use um, all of the other things that make these things easy. You had to come, you had to create these shots and like, you know, Bava would come up with these weird things where he would, he would take like a wagon or something and put a dolly, a camera on a wagon and pull the wagon through the blood and black lace set. And, you know, that kind of thing. Like they had to invent that stuff. And now, you know, you don't. So, um, it, it, it's like, I, like I said before, it's, it's, it's a, it's an uphill battle when you decide that you're going to make a film like this. And I give credit to the Ornetti brothers, if that's, if they are brothers, um, for, for, for trying to do what, the best job that they possibly could. And I think that they did. I think that they did, they did give it a good college try, but well, I, you know, see, I, my, I, my I, problem I, is more with this, more of a plot. My problem's more with the script than anything else. Like right. I, I could, the, the problems I have with the visuals and the pacing, I could forgive, Right. but the plot, yeah. like I'm a stickler for story. And I know that sounds stupid coming from someone whose two favorite movies are stripping for your killer and eyeball, but I'm serious. Like, but, but if you compare this film to those films, those films have a script. Oh my I fucking mean, God. They do they really, they really do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh man well listen uh we don't want to end the year on a bad note but i guess we are i don't know <laughs> hey merry christmas <laughs> merry christmas everybody do not buy francesca do, but do not it. unsubscribe <laughs> do not unsubscribe from our group either um we will uh we'll try to redeem ourselves next time with a film that's period appropriate I think. And there were there was a pretty cool idea that someone made in the group that um to do like a three pack, which Oh yeah, I saw that. Might be something cool. Um, kill and psycho and then do like do you like Hitchcock. Yeah. That that would be crazy. But so um we could do that one show though. Like could we do that in one show? We'd be talking for like hours. Maybe we could do like a two parter. Yeah. Or something. How do you I break three films into a two-parter? What? <laughs> I said, how do you break up three films into a two-parter? You stop it at an hour 35. Oh, okay. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. But yeah, something like that. I don't know. There's still like a ton of movies that I want to do that we haven't done. So, um, like... Uh, like we were talking, we hadn't done Iguana with the Tongue of Fire, uh, Spasmo. Right, um, right. I want to do um, Naked You Die. Fuck yeah. Um, you know, I want to. I want to look at all those. I, I think you know, we we every once in a while we need to approach one of these neo jolly and talk about it and see how it's trying to make make a make a a mark on the genre that is. You know, really, what is it now? Um, 70, <laughs> 40 years old. Um, it's important to talk about these films because people are thinking about the genre and they're thinking about what came before and trying to relate to it. But then we should just do that every once in a while and then get back to the films that are really the ones that created the genre in the first place. So, yeah. um, so I'm all about that. So 
Cool. I think I think we need to go back to the drawing board and come up with a nice big list of the things we want to do. And um, I'll go through um, uh, the various books that I have and see, you know, which films we've forgotten about or which, you know, there, there's every once in a while there's there's a film that we just totally skipped over because it's, yeah. it flew under the radar. Well, there's or, a lot you know, of movies too that like I have piling up on my hard drive. And I'm like, well, I've already put, like, Chris and Eric through this and that. I might want to hold off on this one. And then I just forget about it. So um, maybe it's time to pull those ones out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, Ursula. There's a, there's a couple of um, Fulci films that we haven't looked at yeah, yet. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think we should do Murder Rock. I was just going to say, you've so... been teasing us with Murder Rock forever. Yeah, I mean, Murder Rock is, I, I, I haven't even watched it, but I know it's terrible. Yeah. So, um, but I can't wait to, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Because how terrible it is. <laughs> so, all right. Well, all right. I think that's it. Yep. All right. Well, um, until next time, everybody, ciao, ciao. Yeah, ciao, ciao, and uh, happy holidays and, and happy new year, and we will see you next time. On the flippity flip. We're not doing another one before the end of the year, right? So no. We'll see you guys on the on the flip flop of 2017, and have a great New Year. Boom. Have, have a Jalo New Year. Yeah. Or watch New Year's Evil. It's not really Jalo, but I like doing that. There you go. Okay. <laughs>